it's Father's Day. I don't know if you knew that. I just wanted to remind you, uh, those of you who are fathers, thank you for coming today. Uh, it's important uh, for us as dads, and I, I, I made a great choice coming today. Uh, see your kids, VBS, uh, singing, uh, cool video. Uh, it was a great week. Uh, I, I realized that not everyone uh, uh, feels inclined to serve and stuff like that, but I want to encourage you, just show up at stuff like that, just so you can see things. It'll help your day. It'll help give you perspective on your life. Um, so I was a, it's been a long time, but I was a, a, a little boy at one time. I grew up in Santa Barbara. I, I had no brothers. I had one sister. Uh, she'll be at the second service, Lord willing. My dad will be there as well. Uh, but I grew up probably like a lot of young men. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want them to know too much, the other gender, uh, about how we grow up. But like, I, I didn't think a whole lot. I, I don't think I ever thought about being a dad growing up. I just wanted to be a boy and I liked to uh, you know, I like to do stuff and mess stuff up, and uh, we lived on a, uh, in the midst of kind of an avocado orchard over in Santa Barbara, and uh, my dad had a lot of tools. I used to think I could do things with them. It's kind of like today, uh, but uh, I'd take his tools, and I'd leave them in the grass over in Santa Barbara, and they'd get all rusted, and I got in trouble, and my dad didn't like that very much, and but I was just a boy, and um, even in my teen years, you know, I just went to school and tried to be cool and made my own mixtapes and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't really think a whole lot about what came next, um, but in all those things, as uh, Rebecca and I got married uh, soon after college, and then we had our, our first child, it made me a dad, and so... Uh, probably like a lot of you men here, uh, I started for the first time going, so what is it like to be a dad? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, I got this great job, but now I got to figure out how to do it, how to do it. And um, I guess I just want to encourage you men that uh, most of us showed up at the job like that and we're still figuring it out. We're still figuring out what that means. Uh, even those of you who are older, um, it continues to change and uh, morph a little bit on your role. Uh, but today, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, what kind of dad do I want to be? Uh, that's the question that I ask myself. What, what kind of dad do I want to be? And I realized that uh, my youngest is going to be a junior in high school, uh, but I'm still asking that question. What is my relationship with them? And what kind of dad do I want to be? Um, and what that leads to is really the question of what kind of man do I want to be? Uh, what, what is it to be a man uh, at this phase of my life? And, this, uh, and really, I don't want to get too off my notes, but today, what does it mean to be a man? Not 50 years ago and not 20 years from now. What does it mean for me to be a man today? And even as we consider that, um, for everybody, is what kind of follower of God does that mean that I'm going to be today? What, what kind of follower of Christ? Uh, what does that look like in my day and age? And so um, I, I realized that uh, in, 
this was designed by God, the, the, the greatness of the family. And I don't want to talk too much about this. I want to get to, uh, but you, you realize that God didn't, uh, he set up some things here, right? Uh, a man and woman would come together and they would be a, a couple, a marriage. And guess what would happen? Uh, they would have kids and the kids would be very small. So you could, you, you didn't, uh, you didn't have to be great at the beginning, right? You just had to be able to change a diaper and, uh, uh, be able to feed them and hold them. It didn't, it wasn't complicated, at the, but it g- continues to get more complicated as the years go on, right? You got to learn stuff and, uh, you got to be more aware. Why? Because they're more aware. Um, dad, why are you doing it like that? Where, where when they were one, they were just, they didn't care, right? Um, and when they were two and three, just give them a donut, right? Uh, that could fix anything. But um, God had a plan. Uh, husband and wife come together, uh, have a kid, and then as they grow, they grow up together. Uh, and that's his plan. And so it should be, for you and for me, it should be like falling off a log, right? Uh, how do I be a dad? Uh, just follow my dad. Well, how did he learn to be a dad? Well, from his dad, you know, and this is how this should be. We live in a fallen world, and we realize that many things are different, and we struggle in many, many ways. And I realize that even as we think about the family, many of you come from families that didn't have all those pieces in place, and that's okay. That's part of what the church is supposed to be. And it's definitely, it's definitely what the Word of God gives us, right? The Word of God gives us instruction. Um, what do you do when you don't know what you're doing? You figure out where the truth is, where you can learn. And so we go back to the Word of God so that we would know the truth. And so I just want to encourage you that uh, for us... Um, we just want to be careful that we're not setting up another natural, sinful, selfish, prideful generation, but that we are God's people, trusting in God's word in this day, in this age, that we would not set up another sinful generation, but that we would make it easy on the next generation as they follow in our footsteps, our example, and uh, back to the word of God. And so let me pray for us, and then we'll look at some scriptures this morning. God, thank you for uh, this time and what a blessing the kids are and what a, what a great time it is to be together, a great day. Um, we just thank you for all these things. We ask that your spirit would guide us now that we might not just know the truth, but we would be marked by it, transformed by it, that we would have the power, the strength, the courage uh, to be your people in this day and age. Uh, God, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, Rebecca was asking me what I was preaching on, and I just told her, I said I was going to do a Father's Day message, but it's basically like all my favorite scriptures, and I do this message one or two times a year. I just change the title, okay, Um, and reformat it, make the different order and stuff like that. But these are the things that I love, and I I say that I love them, but um, these are not the things that I'm a pro in. These are the things that I feel like... God lays out for me um, and things that really the target of what he wants for me. And I, I, I want to, you know, this is God's target for dads, uh, what he wants for us. Um, and, and this is the role that we play. Uh, this is the role we play in God's plan. And I, I want to 
give you a picture. If you could look at a neighborhood, or maybe city blocks, I realize we can't really do that that well here in uh, Tehachapi. We don't know what that looks like. There's a lot of outlying areas, even where we are now. But on a corner, uh, if there were to be like a, a, a guard on the corner, a police officer, uh, even a crossing guard, or just um, someone standing there, and and that's your role as a dad. You know, you're you're at the corner. You you're in charge of this area. What happens if you're not there? And you say, well, somebody else will do it. Um, but what we don't understand is that, like, so you have a role, a section, a corner, if you will, in front of a house. You're you're in charge of that. Um, and you say, well, if I'm not there, somebody else will do it. But what we don't understand is everybody else has a place too. They have a corner or in front of a house or a section that they're in charge of. And so what happens when there's not a guard on a corner, on a section, what, what happens? It goes undone. It goes undone. And like I said before, God can make up for those things. But the reality, men... And often we think in terms like this, um, somebody else should do it because I'm not that good at it. Uh, that's not how this works. This is not how this works. Uh, for us, as God's people, God's given us a role, and we are to do it to the best of our ability. And I, I realize that that may just look like us fumbling through it. But praise God when we fumble through it, uh, that He gives us the strength to do what we need to do. I want to encourage you too, uh, so I've not arrived. Um, we need to be careful as I, I, as I go through this list. This, these are not, uh, this isn't a list of burdens to put on you to do better, to do better. This isn't go do good. What this is, is this is what God wants to do in your life. As you walk with Him, He wants to give you the power and the strength to change you to be the man, the father, the husband that he wants you to be, and in all our roles as well. And so uh, we should get to the scriptures. Let's do it. Um, number one, I, these are the things that I want to look to Jesus for. These are our targets. Um, this is what Christ saved us to be. And I just say it firstly, a redeemed dad, a Christian man. And if, if someone could put a title above our head, this is the work of Christ. This is the work of Christ. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, after a great section about the gospel of being dead in your sins and then been made alive in Christ, it says, For we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As you think of yourself, men, this is, this is very important for you to get. Um, you're not just a man. You're not just a man. You're not just a father. You're not just a person. Dare I say, you're not just a Californian, right? Sometimes that's harder to say than others, you know what I mean? Uh, at other times. But you are, you are, and it's important for you to think of yourself this way, you are the work of Christ. You are the work of Christ. You're not a self-made nothing. Right? You haven't done anything apart from Christ. 
And, and that, that which you have done before you knew Christ has been changed, renewed, redeemed, made different, that you are have a new identity and you are now a Christian man. And that's different. You know, uh, what are you like when you're at work? And, and, and I, men should talk to themselves. Men should talk to themselves a lot. You know, they don't like talking a lot. Like Men like to be chill and women, well, we'll just say it. You know, it, it but, but like, the, the, the idea is, at work, young man, you know, older man, whoever you are, uh, you should say to yourself, I'm a Christian man. I've been changed by Jesus Christ. I'm redeemed. I'm bought from the slave factory, right? I've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And tell yourself that. Why? Because it's true. Because it's true. You've been transformed. If you know Jesus here today, you're a different person. And so as we look to Jesus, know this, that He's changing you from the guy you were to what he wants you to be. And you have a different identity. You're a Christian man. You are the work of Christ. You're his workmanship. And as it flows, you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you. He's, he's got some things for you to do, and you should get excited about that. Being a new person a new, having a new identity now, uh, having a new work and things for God. And, and what, are those, what, what are those works, by the way, dads, that you're to do? What, what are those things that he's got for you to do? Raise your kids. Raise your kids. For some of you here, be a grandfather, right? You should think about it. What, what has God got for me to do, you know? Uh, and you go, oh, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Raise your kids, you know how you figure out what you're supposed to be doing? They have the same last name as you. Who should raise those kids? Oh, I guess their dad. <laughs> Hadn't thought about it that way before, right? Um, they're not to be raised by Wolfie and his friends. Um, they're to be raised by you. Okay, redeemed dad. Uh, that's what God has saved us. This is his will. This is his plan. This is uh, what we need to remind ourselves of, men. The second thing I would say is this, that we would display grace. And you can say this a bunch of different ways. But think about your role in the home. Um, the, I'm not going to look anybody in the eye right now, but um, some of you men are grouchy at home, you know. Some of you. There's like one here that isn't. There's like one in the whole crowd here. Um, and, and as part of, uh, men, you, you go, well, this isn't happening in my home. I'm going to run a tight ship. I'm really strict. Well, good for you. Good for you. I'm glad you're strict. You want a medal? T-shirt? World's strictest dad. Is that what you want for Father's Day? Let me take a step back. Let me take a step back. Forget about who you are. Let's look at what God has done. Romans chapter 3. And these are just a couple verses. These are some of the ones you know. These are some of the ones you know. Uh, There's a bunch of others say the same thing throughout the scripture. Romans chapter 3, 
Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Most of you know that, right? Uh, You know that that's a very important verse when you think about who you are. You're a sinner. You've fallen short of God's holy standard and who he is, his glory. But verse 24 says this, and are justified, made right by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What this describes is this. You have been dad. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven. The sins that you willingly and foolishly and recklessly have committed, you have been forgiven. Which brings up, you know, that the word forgiveness, it's not in this passage, but it, it says justified by his grace, by his grace, which means this, that he looked upon you and he says, I want to give him my love. I, I want to care for him. I want to pay for him. I want to justify him. I want to make him right uh, because I love him, because he is so lovable. no. No, we were wicked and worthless. And Jesus, the Father, saw in us a worth that he would pay his only son. He'd pay his only son that we would become his. And he extended us his grace at the moment in time of salvation, but he also extended his grace to us and continues to extend his grace to us every day after that. And so the rule, the rule of our hearts should be what? Strict. You know, I'm going to stick it to them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run my home. You know, we're going to, you know, got some German ancestry. So, you know, that's the way we're going to do it. Uh, I want to tell you that the, the thing that should mark you most is not the way your father raised you or you know your nationality or the country or the state or the school system or anything else but that God loved you so much that he sent his son he extended his grace to you you did not deserve it and yet he loved you extended his grace and so what should happen in your home grace grace should happen in your home um Grace takes a long time, though. I just want to tell you that. This is how, to, this is how grace works. Uh, uh, grace is not telling your kids, your little, I don't want to say demons, but, you know, uh, your little untrained little ones. It, it, it does not mean that, you know, they just light your house on fire and you say, ah, oh, no big deal. That's not grace. No big deal it, it is not grace. Grace is, you're wrong. You sinned. You disobeyed mom and dad. You know, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Did you know that God wants you to obey mom and dad? And so you, you've, you've done, you haven't just done wrong against mom and dad, but you've done wrong against God, the one who created you. That's a big deal. And the tears are starting to go. You know, hopefully, uh, and um, and then and then what is it? It flows into. I got good news for you. 
I got good news for you. God loves you, cares for you. And just as you've sinned against God and he, he loves and cares for you, he wants to extend you grace. He wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. And you know what? Dad needs that same forgiveness. And the reason, because I've needed that forgiveness, you know what? I'm going to forgive you too. That's grace in your home. It takes a while. It takes a while to get there. Uh, especially if you younger dads here, you're going to have to have similar conversations to that for a long time, for a long time, and display that even more, not just in conversation, but in the way you treat your kids. Number three, number three, that's a big one. The grace one's a big one. Hope that encourages you, men. Um, number three, uh, take a bullet daily. Take a bullet daily. Now, um, uh, I hope that you look at your families as a team, as a team, that everyone kind of has their role and things that they do, and your kids, you know, uh, have a role in that, and this is your f- family, uh, you love your family name, and you, you get together. Um, but the, the picture here of what, and, and most, I'll just stop and just tell you kind of my method in my mind is, uh, much of this is just what, uh, God has done for us in Christ, in His Son, Jesus, Jesus, God in the flesh here on this earth. Jesus displayed this for us, and we copy Him, okay? We copy Him. Uh, as men, uh, we fulfill roles in those similar ways. But the, the idea of taking a bullet, um, most of you get, have the picture of that, right? That the bullets are flying, and one uh, gets in front of the bullet so the other won't take the bullet, right? And, uh, and what that means is that you put yourself at risk, men, all the time. And, and sometimes you're prepared, you have the, the vest on and you go, this is no big deal. Got it in the vest. It's not a big deal. But other times you don't, right? And other times it marks you. Other times it, it costs you, right? And, and this is the picture for us men in our homes, and when you think of your wife and your children and your grandchildren, uh, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws behind that, you, you should think of yourself as the one that takes the bullet here. And, and really, you know, taking the bullet uh, is, is very dramatic. It has a picture of uh, uh, a security officer, you know, a secret service or a bodyguard that stands right beside them and is looking for danger, but also has a military picture. And, and you, you men know, you men know, the, the problem with taking a bullet is sometimes you don't recover from it, right? Probably sometimes it's the last thing you do. Other times it just leaves a mark, right? Other times it, it causes lasting damage, but, you know... And so this is the picture, to take a bullet daily, to bear a burden that needs to be uh, borne. Uh, It's the idea of selfless service. We'll talk about service in a little bit, but this picture is that we see ourselves as the one to be sacrificed. In John 10, uh, verse 11 and this whole passage is really about Jesus being the good shepherd. And he repeats this same line that, 
you know, that's important for us to think through men. John 10 verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the way he says it, the language there is not that, oops, I got killed on the way to loving my sheep. He says that I purposely, it's the idea of I, I did it on purpose. I laid down my life in such a way because it was the thing that I did for the love for the sheep. And as we think about our families, and, and, and men, as you see yourself, your role is to think of yourself as God has placed you there in big and small ways. To lay down your life for your sheep, the ones that he's entrusted to you. Men, uh, ladies, don't listen right now. Uh, some of us are pretty selfish. Some of us are pretty selfish. We say, you know, we work hard. It's now time for me to come home. I, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you come home, it's your time to lay down your life for your sheep. You say, well, I've already been doing that. Well, okay. Were you going to take a vacation from that? Does the one who protects the sheep say, you know, break time. Union. <laughs> Union. I get a half hour here, half hour there, an hour. Paid vacation for this. Somebody else is just going to have to look after my sheep here. I want to tell you, um, the sheep are at risk when we're not looking after them. And, and, and this picture here is that we lay down our lives for our sheep. And you say, well, what does that look like? I don't know what it looks like for you. I know that you, you have to find yourself, men, at the end of the line, right? You have to find yourself at the end of the line. Uh, unless it's bad stuff, and then you're in the front of the line, Right? And then you, you do, or, or unless it's work and, and the idea that something needs to be done, and then you say, I need to do, be in front of the line on that, right? That's what it is to lay down your life. If you look through the life of Christ, he, he always saw himself as the servant, right? He was prophesied to be that, the suffering servant. And so for us men, uh, we need to see ourselves as ready and willing and doing, taking a bullet, bearing a burden, laying down our life for the sheep. Which brings us to Mark 10. Point number four, servant leadership. And a uh, great book on servant leadership that was written years ago. They messed with it a little bit in the last... Anyways, uh, it's a good book, Servant Leadership. Oswald Sanders. Um, Mark ten forty five, and this is this is part of this picture that Jesus gives us, um, is that, and these two points kind of go together, but Mark ten verse forty five it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And and what I would say is this: that in your leadership of your home is to see yourself as a servant. Um, and back to that illustration of your post or your farm or your house or whatever, um, we often look around, men, and we say, who should take care of this? And the answer is, a servant should take care of this. 
And some of you are going, I'm liking the way, where this is going. When are the servants going to show up? I'd love to have some servants. Um, one of the young men here grew up here. Uh, I remember talking to him in high school, and uh, I asked him something. I, I bumped up against you know his family life, and his parents were great. They were great people, and they raised great boys. And um, I said, do you, have, "Do you have to do something around uh, your house?" And he goes, "Yeah, we're slaves." drama um but anyways uh men uh, as you think of uh what goes on in your life and in your home uh, you're going to see some things and you're going to say somebody should do this and you're going to say in your mind somebody who's a servant should do this and then you should quickly follow jesus was a servant jesus was a servant oh yeah And I'm a servant. I'm a servant in this home to this family. I am a leader, but I'm a servant leader. It's not my king and castle. Uh, I need to think of myself as more a butler making life good for the rest of the people of the house. Number five. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 21. I want to talk to you about perseverance persevering faith, persevering faith, men. Um, So there's great days. There's great days of being a father. I hope this is one of them for you. I hope you get a mug or a hat or a shirt or something like that. Ties, I hope you don't get one. I hope you don't get a tie. Nobody wears ties anymore, Uh, especially if you live in Tatchby. Just not that many places. Um, Great days. There are tough days, too. There are tough days. Um, and there's going to be tough days in your home, like with what's going on with your, yourself and your team, right? There's going to be tough days and those can be represented in many different ways. They could be health issues, relational issues, uh, financial things going on, job changes. Uh, there can be all kinds of different difficult days that you're called upon, but there's can also be difficult days in our world. And I want to tell you, we're experiencing great days right now. Great days. And you say, great days? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the waves are mounting, right? Uh, you ever gone to the beach and uh, you, you're looking at the waves and there's nothing there, but you see, you know, a ripple kind of out, you know, you kind of see it. That's going to be a big one. I want to tell you that, I, that as this pastor of this church in this time I see big waves coming, right? Wasn't much of a surfer, but I've seen the waves often. But, but know this, that God has called us as men to have persevering faith. Persevering faith. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, God's word says this, For to this you, were called, you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When difficult days show up in your life and home, you can go back to the scriptures, and this is, this is one of many, right? Uh, and you can say, not mama, but God told me that there would be days like this. 
that it's not all going to be easy and he suffered and I follow after him so it follows that I too will suffer but I'm to follow in his footsteps. I'm to have persevering faith. And as you look at the life of Christ, especially the, the last part as he went to the cross, there's all this opposition all the time. And there's people pushing and shoving. And he, sometimes his own disciples are like, don't go to the cross. <laughs> no, that's what I came for. I came to go to the cross. I didn't come for an easy life. I came to do the will of my Father. And so as Christ did that, he leaves us an example. We may not have many examples in this life. We may not have a, a, a father or a mother to, uh, that have shown us this way, but Christ left us this way. He, he suffered, and he suffered for us, and leave, left us an example so that we would follow in his steps, persevering faith. Even at cost, even if it costs you a lot or even everything, that we would persevere. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how old your kids are. Some of you, I do know how old your kids are. Most of the time, I don't know how old my own kids are. Uh, it's a math problem, and I've got to get one of them right and then subtract and, or add, you know. Uh, but, to you know... Your kids may be very small, and you say, oh, they, they don't know, but, but they, they're going to know, they're going to know this. So uh, if um, you get in a financial struggle, you, you know, and, and there's some tough times, especially as early on, you, you say, well, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to persevere in faith? Are you going to continue to trust in God? And what, th- they might get it through legends, right, you know, from their siblings or aunts and uncles. They'll say, do you remember that time? You know, this picture right here, you're living in this house. You know why you were living there? Because of this. But your mom and dad were walking in faith. As they're older, they're older, they will remember. They will remember. Someone gets hurt in an accident. Remember when we went to the hospital? Remember, you know, I saw you crying, Mom. Like, what was happening there? Dad, I, I saw you in that situation. I, I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you how to act in those situations. It's not acting, right? It's that we would walk in faith in those days. And what does that do? You, you know, as I, I've said this before a, a million times, but today I'm going to say it a million and one. So these little ones up here... Um, you know, m- my kids were up here doing this, this stuff. They, they weren't. They were helping out a little bit more. They were, you know, not the little people doing motions. They were helping. But as you look at these little ones, picture them as 30-year-olds. What are they going to need? What are they going to need? They're going to need a faith that perseveres through the difficult things of life. Not, not one that's dependent on our constitutional rights, you know. Uh, I, I want to be, be honest with you. I think it's important to study history and know the Constitution and know how great this country is. Um, but the Constitution may not be around forever. <laughs> Looking like it's ru- running on rough days right now, right? Word of God will be. The God who loves them so much will be. And so we need to have persevering faith in him. Set that example for the next generation. 
Um, yeah, so uh, I got these out of order. Stan, stick with me. Uh, let's go to number six, but, but it's number seven, okay? Um, I said persevering faith. This is a different one. Number six is actually number seven. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. I want to point something out to you, men, and it goes back to being grouchy. And, and I'll, I won't want to confess, do pastoral confession here, um, just because there's some family members here and there will be some in the second service that will go, uh, i got something to say. I don't want people to raise hands or anything like that. Um, I struggle uh, with being grouchy when things don't go my way. And I realize that sounds like a temper tantrum. I most of the time don't throw myself on the ground and start you know, doing this. But um, it, you go from persevering faith, I, I want to say it this way, to joyful perseverance. Joyful perseverance. In Hebrews chapter 12, it, it's a very peculiar um, thing that you, you might miss, but in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, um, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are chapter 11. Uh, he says, let us, lay off, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, this idea that we would be faithful just as the other ones were faithful and that we would uh, continue on. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that? For the joy set before him. It pictures for us what Christ did in in the, the crucifixion, what he did as he went to the cross, is that he joyfully followed the plan of the Father. And, and men, I want to tell you that this day, this day, whatever's going on today is somehow part of the will of the Father for you and for your family. And so as, as you live out your days, and sometimes towards the end it gets more difficult, as you live out your days, know this, that it's not just perseverance that he calls you to, persevering faith. And, and some of us, you know, I, I want to persevere. I, I think about it all the time. I, I want to do what God has called me to do today. And, um, and I want to persevere in my family. But some of us do it like this. I want to be careful the way I say this, but I'll say it this way anyways. Um, I am going to persevere today. I hate what I'm doing. I hate my life. This day's terrible. You know, I'm tired of my family. I'm going to persevere in the Lord today. You know, is that what he wants for us? If Jesus went to the cross and it says, for the joy set before him, going to the cross, we can be joyful today, men, today. Even if you didn't get what you wanted. You know, you wanted a mug and you got a shirt, right? And, you know, they bought it for you too small so that, they thought you would grow into it, you know. Um, but you look at these things, men, and I just want to encourage you that Christ 
even in his suffering, was joyful. He calls for that, us to be that as well. Uh, you want to raise some selfish kids? Be a selfish dad. Complain. Be grouchy. Be persevering, but say that you hate it. Uh, that will raise kids that will do the same. Number seven, which was actually number six. Uh, remind uh, ourselves who we are, but also remind them who they are. In Genesis chapter one, it says this, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a bunch of stuff in there, isn't there? Let me tell you some truths that need to be reminded. Uh, you, you need to remind yourself and your kids about. You were created. You, you are a creation, right? I'm created by God. And that should impact the way I live. I, I'm not just an accident. I'm not just some cells that happened to get together and created other cells and, you know, I'm a cell project, right? I'm not a cell project. It was created by God. It's not just created by God. Well, I, I was created by God. That's very important. I was created, I was created by God. I could preach a long message on this one. I was created by God. How was I created? I was created in His image, I was created in his image. I'm an image bearer of God. You know, this makes my life pretty important, right? Not so much that I would do my own thing and think great of myself, but that I'm his creation and I bear his image. And as I go about doing my day, I'm a reflection of the creator. And so my life should reflect the one who created me and that the goodness of what I am is part of his image in me. Okay? Not to get uh, too connected to our day, but I, I don't know if you saw it in here. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Two. Just two. Just two. You can think there's a hundred. You can think there's three, four, five, six, whatever number you choose. You can think whatever you, you want, but it's not true. Not true. No, no matter how many people agree with you, this is God, we're God's creation. Uh, I was listening to a message um, on the way home from Santa Barbara, maybe five years ago, from Jack Hibbs. First message I'd ever heard from him. I was just flipping through the radio, trying to kill time on my way home, and he was talking about raising kids and being a parent. and And some of us get confused about this. You want your kids to find their own way. Please do not let your kids find their own way. Okay, um, if you really want a parent like that, hand them the keys to your car when they're three and say, "Go for it." Stupid, right? Um, and, and he used this example, and I think it's important for us to remember. He said, you know, most uh, little boys go in their mom's closet and try on their mom's shoes. And what does that mean? What does that mean? And what should you do? We live in a world where people would say, oh, he, he must have gotten something wrong. He, what, he isn't a boy. He's something else. He's something else. 
He said, you, you know what you should say to your, your son? Oh, those are mommy's shoes. You're not going to be a mommy. You're going to be a daddy someday. You're like daddy. Oh, and that's, that's what your kids will say. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> There's a kid at Bear Valley Church. I love this. You know, he, he, he was heading to his class. He was probably three. And I saw him and his mom and maybe one of his brothers. And, and, and he, he, he stops me. And I say, hey, how's it, how's it going? And he goes. He holds his belt with his belt buckle. And he goes. Daddy wears one of these. <laughs> and I thought, you got it. You got it, right? He knew it. And, and it's the simple way of parenting. There will be plenty of those conversations in your life. There will be more, especially in the confused world that we're in. I would say purposely confused, but let's go. Let's move on. That was number uh, set. Well, and... Remind them who they are. There's many other things in Scripture that talk about identity and who, who you are in Christ and what God's intended. And, and just pick them out and remind your kids of them, right? Remind yourself first and then your kids, okay? Number eight, dependent leadership. Um, be, be careful. Uh, so um, uh, our brother-in-laws, um, and we've been friends for a long time, and we remind each other. You know, what, what do we know? We don't know what we're doing. We're just kind of fumbling through. Um, I have sons that are now getting married and, you know, coming dads. And, you know, I, I, I ask them, what do you know? And they go, nothing, nothing. Right answer, right answer. Um, you know, I, I want us to remember that we are dependent. We are dependent. We are dependent leaders. Um, it, it's interesting in, in leadership, you know, uh, books you'll read, you know, never, never let them see you sweat. Like, you always act like, you know, be confident and this and that. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. What you should be is confident in the Lord, not confident in yourself. In First Peter chapter 5, there's a great section that's talking actually about leaders in the church. And then it uh, talks about um, uh, older men, younger men, and how this all works together. And in verse 5, chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then he combines it with older people and younger people. And he says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I want to tell you, men, that we are not strong leaders. We are dependent leaders. We are dependent on the one who is strong. Uh, If you look at the verse in there, it says there's something mighty. Find the word mighty in there. Mighty hand. Is it your mighty hand? No, it's God's mighty hand. He's the one with the mighty hand. And we should use His mighty hand, not the best that we can do. And so the picture here is that we would look at every turn and that we would acknowledge to our wives, our kids, and anybody else who's watching, uh, humility. Why? Because as one great man of the past said, you know, he's a humble man and he's got much to be humble about right? That's us. That's us. 
We have a track record. And so for us to be able to uh, give leadership, but dependent leadership on a God who loves us so much. Lastly, um, encourage them. Encourage them. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24-25, encourage them. And, and the word encourage, I think it's important to connect it. Like It's the idea of giving courage or giving strength. It's the idea in, in those moments in time where you feel weak and you feel insecure that, that your uh, role is to uh, come in and you grant courage to people. You, you come in and, and you want to, in their presence and by your words, and, uh, to be able to help them along. You know what's frustrating about being a parent? There's a lot of things, right? Um, as I get older, as I get older, and I, I wouldn't even say as I get older, as they get older, you can't do it for them anymore, right? You used to be able to tie their shoes, but now they have to tie their own shoes. And, and you used to be able to drive them, but now they're driving themselves. You used to be able to yell at them to clean their room, Right? Now their room isn't in your, on your property anymore. You don't even know if it's clean, right? You, you can't do it for them. And so know this, know this. Our role is not to do it for them for a lifetime. Our role is to be behind them, encouraging them for a lifetime, granting them courage. Listen to this. And this is for God's people in his church and It says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want to point out a few things there. Um, That word stir up uh, is connected to our English word agitate. And some of you are going, sweet. I know how to agitate my kids. You know, I know how, you know, I, to be a, a pain to them, I know how to do it. This is something I know, Pastor. Um, th- there's a, a connection here that, you know, um, some of us struggle the, the fine communication skills, right? You, you, some of you are, you say to your kids all the time, you're the best, you're the best. Even when they're the worst, you tell them that they're the best. You did such a great job. It was terrible and it, it cost, you know, it was bad and everything. But you did a great job. Like, you know, you're constantly wanting to encourage. But what you're doing is uh, you are setting them up for failure. There's this fine picture here of stirring one another up to what? To love and good works. You, you're, you're wanting the product of their lives to produce that which is God, what God is looking for. And so you're encouraging them in faith. And if, if you're wondering if you're doing it right, ask the question, what's coming out of their life? When you know, I talked to them and uh, they stormed out, they slammed the door and were cussing and swearing. And you say, oh, maybe I should try a few different words so that the outcome would be different, right? You, you want to agitate, you want to stir them up but to that which is good in the eyes of God. 
uh, th- this is what it also says. As you skip down, it's meeting together. Obviously, it's God's people, and uh, you can't really do this well when you're apart. Uh, FaceTime's great, but real FaceTime is better. And he says, uh, at the end, he says, but encouraging one another. And he says, all the more as you see the day drawing near. So that, like there's a, this need for encouragement. Some of us get, get this attitude where, you know, um, you, you, you were great at encouraging your kid during T-ball. And as they grow older, you say to yourself, oh, you know, they don't need my encouragement as much as they used to. Wrong. Wrong. And figure out ways that you can encourage uh, one another, your kids, your grandkids, figure it out. Why? Because it says there should be an increasing uh, knowledge of this as, as time goes on. It says the day drawing near. There's the day of the Lord. And, and what we've been studying in the book of Daniel, that's coming, right? And the day of the Lord is different than the day today, right? Uh, man's in charge today. The enemy's in charge today. And, and things are showing that way, right? You know, uh, fingerprints are all over it. But there's going to come a day, a day of the Lord, where his wrath will be poured out on all the things that he has let go up till now. And so in light of that day of the Lord, uh, our job today is to encourage one another. And who should you encourage? Your wife and kids, grandkids. These are the simplest or the most obvious people. And I want to talk just briefly how do you encourage? How do you encourage? Think about the scriptures. Fear not. Fear not. Why is that all over the scripture? Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus said it a bunch of times. Fear not. Why? Why? Not just that we're prone to fear. That's true. But there's lots of things to fear. And so there's this reminder to encourage. And, and, and by the way, men, you know, use your battle cries. We don't have to say a lot of words, but to, to look your kids in the eye when they're freaking out and go, fear not. Fear not. And they, they better know that you're not just saying, quit being afraid. But fear not. God's in control. You should be able to say to your kids, you can either say it a couple different ways, let's pray about it, or you need to pray about it. You need to talk to God. That's encouragement. That, that's that in the midst of chaos, being able to interject the encouragement that would stir them up to love and good works. When they're fearful, to remind them, God is with you. God is with you. Your kids are going to move out one day. They're going to go to college or they're going to join the military or they're going to move to one of the better states like everyone's trying to do and stuff like that. And, we're bozers are here until we're not. We're, we're, we don't have any plans to go anywhere. You know, Committed to you and to Hatchby. We love it. We love it. Not everything's great, but we love it. Um, but they'll leave. And, and so what do you tell them? What do you tell them? God is with you. God is with you. Don't worry. God's with you. What, what do you do when they, they've messed up their whole world? What, what do you do? How do you encourage them? You look him in the eye and you say, God forgives you. God forgives you. Jesus went to the cross so that you would be forgiven. 
These are the encouragements of life. They're throughout the scripture. I think it's important. Uh, I think unbelievers do this all the time. Oh, it's going to get better. To which kids and other people should say, says who? (laughs) Why? How do you know? What's your answer? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get better down here. The Word of God says if we've trusted in Him, we'll be with Him forever and we'll leave. There will be no more tears, right? We can point to specific verses that tell us this. These are true encouragements that your kids can cling to. Dads, let me pray for you now. Pray for us. Uh, God, uh, thank you. Thank you for this time and thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy. Thank you for your truth and your word. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. God, help us to be men of courage and strength and power in our homes, that we would be compassionate, gracious as you have been to us. God, help us. Uh, God, uh, motivate us. Uh, Some of us are lost in our own selves, depressed and uh, lost in, you know, sins that we've committed, the past, present, and the dumb things we're planning in the future. God, I ask that you would draw us to yourself, that we would uh, fulfill our role in our generation and our time, that we would uh, be in our place, and that we would have persevering faith and joyfully persevere, just as your son Jesus did as he went to the cross. Thank you for this time. Uh, Bless these men as they serve you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.